Hello, everyone. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast was recorded and is made available to you by Whitley Penn LLP and WP Wealth LLP solely for informational purposes. The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are general in nature and are not intended to be construed as the provision of financial or investment advice by Whitley Penn or WP Wealth. The information discussed in this podcast is accurate as of the day it was recorded, but may then become outdated over time. Please feel free to contact us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns in regard to the content presented. Thank you again for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to the next installment of Start Now, Success Later. My name is Brandon Russ, and I'm an associate advisor at Whitley Penn in the WP Wealth Group. Today, we are going to cover what you need to know when purchasing a house for the first time. Again, this is a really hot topic right now. Um, Throughout the pandemic, across the country, we have seen an exodus from downtowns and major metropolitan areas as people look for more space to spread out. Because of that, Houses are being sold almost as soon as they're put on the market and way above the original asking price. So to help walk us through this long and stressful process, I've invited my colleague, Alicia Langdon, here to walk us through it. Alicia, how's it going today? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you doing, Brandon? I'm doing well. Thanks for coming on. Um, Can you quickly introduce yourself and what you do here at WP Wealth? Sure. Um, So again, my name is Alicia Langdon. I'm a certified financial planner within our WP Wealth Group at Whitley Penn. I'm over in the Plano office most of the time and just kind of assist clients in all areas of wealth management. Awesome. Uh, Alicia, correct me if I'm wrong, but you recently went through the home buying process, right? Yes. Not as recent as this pandemic, um, thankfully, with all the craziness that's going on. But yes, within the past few years. All right. So we have someone who really knows what they're talking about. Um, There's a lot to cover with this topic, but I think the best place to start and really the most popular question we see is how much house can I afford? How do you determine that? And what is considered when you're qualifying for a house? So I'd say some people probably first start out at looking at what they're paying in rent and just translate that to be what their mortgage payment should be. Um, so this could be correct, but I think taking a deeper dive into what your budget currently is and can take on month- monthly wise is probably best than just taking what you're paying now and translating that. But there are a lot of calculators online available too. So I think bankrate.com and nerdwallet.com are two great places to start. Um, But also whenever you go through the pre-approval process with the mortgage lender that you choose, they're going to be able to provide you with what the maximum home value you're approved to purchase. Can you explain that pre-approval process for us? Sure. Um, So with the pre-approval process, the bank is really just trying to see what your finances are like. Um, So they want to know all areas of your current employment, they'll ask for like most recent pay stubs. Um, past W-2s, past tax returns, any outstanding debt that you already have and already paying for. Um, So they need basically everything but your blood type. And it (laughs) does take a little bit to get everything together. 
but getting that pre-approval process done in the beginning is really helpful whenever you're starting to look for a house. And would you say that most lenders are pretty standard? Can I shop my rate around to other lenders and try and negotiate a lower rate? So I would say shopping around for a rate is really important. I wouldn't say you would be able to negotiate your rate down, but there are a couple of areas um, that you can adjust on what your down payment is or your, your credit score is going to have a, an effect on what your rate is. Um, but calling around or looking online to see if different mortgage lenders have their rates available there um, are good to see where you want to house your mortgage at. I wouldn't say you want to do the whole approval process with each lender because they're going to hit your credit and you don't want to have all those hits on your credit score. But having in mind of having in mind what your credit score is and about what down payment you're willing to put forward on the house, those are going to help them figure out what rate you could qualify for because those are some factors that affect your rate. And closing costs. You want to be able to ask what their closing costs are as well. And a down payment, that's typically 20%, right? General rule of thumb. So putting 20% down, it definitely increases your chance of getting a better rate with the mortgage lender. And it helps you avoid PMI, um, which is private mortgage insurance. You, you get that tacked on to your monthly payment if you do anything less than 20 um, but depending upon the type of mortgage that you do choose, there are minimum down payments. And if you look online, they range from about three to 5%, depending on the lender or mortgage type. Um, there's trade-offs to be aware of as well. Of course, if you're going to do 20%, a higher down payment, it's more cash that you're going to have to put up front. Um, but it is going to help you get a better rate and have a lower monthly payment going forward. But then if you're doing, say, the 5% minimum, less cash you have to put up front, more cash that you can keep on the side, but you're going to have that additional private mortgage insurance added on. Your monthly cost is going to be a little bit higher. Um, but then again, just trade off there that you want to use an online calculator to see what's best for you. Yeah, definitely take advantage of those tools. Um, they're super helpful and um, it it kind of gives you an idea of what you're going into when beginning that pre-approval process. So Alicia, you'd mentioned there are different types of mortgages. Can you explain the options that people have out there? I guess specifically, what is the difference between a fixed versus an arm? Sure. Um, so the typical type of mortgage that a lot of people see are conventional and there are other options out there as well that kind of come with eligibility requirements. Um, you may have heard of an FHA loan. Um, so that is insured by the Federal Housing Administration, and it allows for applicants that have maybe a lower credit score. Um, VA loans are available as well. So those are for current and veteran military service members, and those typically require no down payment. But then when you're kind of going through, okay, you've chosen one of those types of mortgages to, to run with, then you have the choice of, do you want a fixed interest rate or an ARM, which is an adjustable rate mortgage? Um, so with the fixed, your payment and your interest rate is going to be fixed for the life of the loan. With the ARM, kind of differs on if it's going to be the first three years is fixed, and then it can fluctuate over the next seven 
but just kind of depends on the mortgage lender and definitely use those online calculators. What about the term of your mortgage? Um, I've seen in the past working with our clients that they could have a 30 year, a 20 year, a 15 year, et cetera. You know, what do you need to consider when factoring in uh, how long of a term of mortgage you should decide? So historically, you might see people do typically go with the 30 year because if you have the same value of house that you're trying to purchase and you're laid out all the different options, the 30 year is going to have the lower monthly payment ongoing. Um, So if you do take a shorter term, say 20 year or 15 year, you're going to get a lower interest rate, but your payment is going to be higher because you have a shorter period to pay off the same house. And uh, a little life hack that, you know, we've seen is, you know, a client will elect to go with the 30 year term, but pay it down as if it was a 15 year mortgage. So they are still getting that benefit of the lower interest rate, but they are still putting more money toward the uh, principal of the loan. So they wind up paying it off faster. And usually, um, you know, this is definitely something we suggest if cash flow allows for it. In general, the home buying process can be pretty costly. I know we've already talked about down payments, but what about some of the unexpected costs someone might be subjected to? What should they look out for? So I would say in today's wild housing market, these costs probably aren't necessarily coming up right now because a lot of the home purchases are flying, being sold left and right, and being sold sight unseen. But typically, um, kind of one thing that I didn't realize going into my housing buying process, um, you pay an option fee. And I also found out this is very specific towards Texas as well. But the option fee kind of allows you, the buyer, to say, I want to buy this house. And it kind of puts you into contract with the seller but you want to have an option period, say seven to 14 days to check out the house and see if you still want to buy it. So the option fee gives the buyer the right to terminate during that option period and be able to do inspection, kind of all of that. So if they back out during that option period, the buyer is able to recoup their costs that they've put in on earnest money, which is another unexpected cost. Um, Could you explain what earnest money is for some of our listeners who might not know? Yes. So earnest money is a form of security deposit and the rules are going to vary state by state, but it does go to the lender and is kind of just held there in an account. But say if everything goes well, goes through and the buyer ends up wanting to buy the house, you can apply that earnest money that you've already paid towards your down payment. But let's say the option period is up and then the buyer backs out. They're going to lose that money that they put forward in earnest money. Um, But say if you get after the option period and the seller's the one that backs out, then that earnest money is returned back to the buyer. So going back to the whole rent versus buying topic, um, what are some ongoing monthly costs that you may have with a house that you may have not had while renting an apartment outside of your mortgage, that is. Right. Um, so in addition to the mortgage payment, you're still going to have utilities, but it does seem like they're a little bit 
higher. Um, might have just been in my case, but I mean, you're having a bigger house or a bigger square footage that you're having to heat and cool, um, more water. And I feel like sometimes also in apartment complex, it's just a flat rate that's applied across the board. But there's some other topics like water and trash, um, landscaping and pest control, if you don't want to do that yourself, and then HOA fees as well, if that specific neighborhood requires it. Um, but your property taxes and homeowners insurance, those are typically typically going to be built within your mortgage payment and that's going to be paid into an escrow account. So that's just something that an account that the lender collects funds from you each month and then they're going to pay your property tax bill and homeowners insurance bill on your behalf. It's pretty crazy. You have to pay for trash services, in my opinion, um, but I kind of want to pause right now. So we've moved pretty quickly. There's a lot of moving parts here. Chronologically, Alicia, can you walk us through a timeline of how this works, buying a house that is? Sure. And I didn't tell you to put your seatbelt on earlier. (laughs) Wild ride out here. So during a normal housing market, you initially find a realtor and then you find a lender that you want to use for your mortgage complete the pre-approval process. And then kind of once you have that pre-approval letter, you can then begin looking at houses with the realtor that you chose. And whenever you submit an offer on a house that you're interested in purchasing, if you're the lucky one and get your offer accepted, you then begin the option period by paying that option fee, pay the earnest money, and then you begin reviewing details about the house. So kind of on the topic of that option period, you're going to do the inspection with the house. um, And you want to be there while the inspector is kind of going through everything as well. But you want to get the roof looked at, the foundation looked at. And then during that time, if you find that the house is just a money pit waiting to happen, and you get out during the option period, then you get that earnest money back. But if it's great, everything's good, you proceed with the purchasing, kind of the next steps, a realtor and the mortgage lender are really hands-on at that point in assisting you until that closing day where you meet with a title company, another um, person in the mix. But on that day of closing, you're going to sign a lot of paperwork and then finally get the keys to your house. So now that we have our seatbelts on and are strapped in, Um, let's kind of shift focus here to the realtor aspect of this. I know talking with some people that they felt they could have done this process on their own. Um, why is it so important to have a realtor and, you know, what makes a realtor, you know, quote unquote, good. I would say having a realtor that is knowledgeable about the area that you're looking to buy in, especially if it's a new area to you. Um, they're going to understand the different neighborhoods, the different school districts, if that's important to you. And they just have a better feel for a particular listing price. Does that price make sense for that house in that neighborhood? They're just really helpful in that sense and can let you know if the street it's on is super busy or within a carpool lane of the elementary school down the street. But after you're able to look at a few houses with, say, a particular realtor, 
and you see that they're not really helping you point out potential issues with the house, um, you might want to look elsewhere for some help. Um, so I'd say with our realtor that we use, she was really helpful in looking at everything and but kind of looking for little minor details of what could be an issue here or there. Is this just cosmetic and it can be fixed or is this a fire hazard? So how do these people get paid? Um, is, is this really something I should factor into my budget as well? Is this another one of those unexpected costs? On the buyer side, it is not. So if you're on the buyer side, that's good. Um, so realtors do get paid with a commission, but it typically comes out of the seller's proceeds while buyers generally pay nothing. All right. And uh, as always, we are going to touch on the tax benefits of owning a home. So uh, to this point, all we've really talked about are costs, and it sounds pretty pricey to own a home. But Alicia, can you tell us about some of the benefits of owning a home? And you know, how can I save a boatload of money on my taxes by doing so? Definitely. So there are a few tax savings, but everything is specific to each individual's situation. So I advise everyone to speak with your own tax professional but annually you possibly can deduct the mortgage interest that you're paying throughout the year and then um, property taxes um, that you've paid during the year as well to limits, of course. Um, but people might see like, buying a house is just a big amount of debt that they're taking on, but mortgages can be a really good source of debt because it helps you build your credit and you're owning an investment. You have equity in something. And each time you pay your monthly mortgage payment, you're just increasing the equity in your home. So uh, I kind of want to go back to property taxes there. You kind of touched on that. Um, so property taxes, you do get a deduction for what is paid, but can you kind of explain to us why you should uh, look into something called the homestead exemption and when should you actually look into the homestead exemption? Yes. So the homestead exemption is where starting January 1st of that year, you can't say if you buy your house in June of 2021, you can't apply for home ex homestead exemption until January is when you qualify in 2022. Um, so what that does, say you're in Dallas County and you're going to be assessed the Dallas County Hospital, Dallas County, um, DISD, kind of all those different factors within the property tax, and each one has their associated rate. And that rates apply then to your home value. If you don't do the homestead exemption when your time comes, then you're going to have the taxes assessed on that full value. But if you're able to do the homestead exemption, um, submit that with the county, then you're able to receive a deduction and they just reduce the value of your home that the taxes are applied to. Yeah. And property taxes can shoot up year after year like crazy. So definitely something that you want to look into um, and, and apply for. Alicia, are there any resources, whether it be online or elsewhere that you recommend or you yourself have found helpful? I felt like even before I was ready to 
start the process, get a realtor and start looking at houses. I think it was good to look online at like say realtor.com, zillow.com, all those different websites where you can see houses out for sale and just get a feel for what areas you want to look at. And then also what type of home you're wanting, how many bedrooms do you want to have? How many bathrooms is it important you have? A two-car garage, pool, no pool, single story, double story, because those come with two AC units. But I think having an idea of what you want is also helpful for the realtor. Once you start working with them, they can help you narrow it down pretty well. Yeah, and I think that Zillow is kind of a guilty pleasure for some people. Um, I know one of our coworkers just kind of surfs it, even though she has no intention of buying a new house. So uh, definitely don't get trapped in that. But um, Alicia, I want to thank you again for coming on. Do you have any final thoughts to wrap this topic up? Sure. And thanks again for having me. But I want to say definitely keep all documents, keep copies of everything that you receive, all the copies of the contracts that are going back and forth, copies of things you get from the mortgage lender, your realtor, the seller, and the title company as well. Um, build out an emergency fund. So in addition to an emergency fund that you already have, you want to go ahead and have an emergency fund aside for your home if something were to happen. And don't worry about furnishing the entire house right off the bat. Um, you can be like me and take three years to buy a dining room table. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know that there's a lot of things that when you're going in to buy a house for the first time, you don't think about like lawn care. Um, you know, you need to buy that lawnmower and everything. You know, that stuff's pretty important, but you don't feel rushed to have to buy everything right away. Alicia, thank you. Um, and thank you everyone for tuning in again. There will be a second part to this episode. Um, we will cover leasing versus buying a car. So tune in for that. But please like, comment, subscribe to the Whitley Penn Talks podcast channel, wherever you listen to your podcast and visit our website, wpwealth.com and give us a follow on LinkedIn. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks. Thanks.